0: Hello and welcome to episode four of the Get Peachy podcast. This podcast is a slightly longer episode as myself and Jake from Lena Stronger are answering all of the questions in the Get Shred group from week two and um, and yeah, it's just a slightly longer episode, but we go into loads of details. So um, feel free to break the episode down into two or three parts if you need to. Um, but I hope you enjoy. Please don't forget to share, subscribe, and drop us a comment or um, just drop us a DM and let us know if you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you enjoy. Cool. Hello everyone, if you are watching, um, this is obviously week two the live Q&A and there have been some excellent questions as well so massive well done for getting to the end well it's not even the end of week two yet but honestly I just want to say to everyone in the group like you have been so supportive to one another and it's just amazing to see because a lot of you are jumping in and you know answering each other's questions and yeah it's just awesome. Um But first of all Jake how has your week been?
1: Our week has been good yeah it's been all right yeah. thank you just just it's all flying by so fast. We need it February, how you, man.
0: How are you getting on? Like after, because obviously you had COVID at Christmas, didn't you?
1: Yeah, my sleep, my sleep is still really bad. But the other way, so during COVID, I slept forever. Now I'm sleeping never. <laughs> the insomnia. But apparently, there's um, a couple other people have experienced the insomnia side of things as well. Um, Post COVID, which I didn't know that was a that was a thing. So apparently, I'm part of a thing now.
0: Do you think that's though? Because I don't know. Because you sleep so much, didn't you? Like sleep for like eleven hours one day.
1: Eleven to fourteen most nights. Oh my god! It wasn't crazy. even just the one. It wasn't even just the one day. It was literally like didn't even wake up for a wee, which is like pretty standard, right? <laughs> but then there, there was the only reason I actually woke up at like the eleventh to fourteenth hours. I needed a wee so bad because I'd probably gone three times as long without going for one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, right, probably, otherwise I will wee the bed, so.
0: Oh, yeah, and you don't want to do that, no. No,
1: no. Um,
0: Yeah, I always wake up in the night to go for a wee. I don't know if I could do 11, 12 hours straight. Yeah. That's a lot. But how's your week
1: been? Your week been all right?
0: Yeah, good, other than the washing machine has broke. (laughs) And that is very frustrating. And to everyone listening, I had to take my washing to the laundrette this morning, which felt very, like, 1990s. (laughs) But... (laughs) Do you know, it's amazing that they're, st- they're still going. And it was really busy as well, so. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think, do you know what? My fr- my, one of my good friends managed to get a laundrette to pick up his clothing. There's now, like, an Uber service for this. They picked up a suit, dry cleaned it, and had it back within 24 hours.
0: Yeah, this place does that as well. It's yeah. crazy. I dropped it in and then you can leave it and then pick it back up. It's like a complete re- revelation.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just can't wait to see people on bicycles with like a washing basket on them. <laughs> just... <laughs>
0: i know crazy but yeah other than that the week has been fine and like loads of friends have like offered like i'll do your washing but i just think it's a bit weird like your friends like washing your pants you know especially (laughs) honestly brad brad's boxers are a bit of a state so (laughs) 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 he's literally got holes in every pair of boxes every pair of boxes anyway TMI and all of that. Um, he'll kill me if putting this on the podcast, but never mind. Um, right, let's get on with the questions. If anybody jumps into the group, please say hello and um, ask any questions as we go along. So I have split the questions this week into training and nutrition. So we're going to go all through the training and workout questions first, and then we're going to come to the nutrition questions after. So first of all, we've got Sarah. I did the body weight workout yesterday and I'm so sore today I'm really feeling it in my legs arms stomach and shoulders should you work out the following day slash day after or wait a bit more until recovered if so how long for I'm more than happy to try and push through the pain but not if that might do more harm than good do you want to go first Jake yeah
1: okay
0: um I think if you're
1: if says so i suppose there's a soreness scale right <laughs> you've got like really sore where you you're clearly feeling battered um that's when you kind of go why give it a day or two let it settle then go back to it so like that you i won't say you shouldn't and won't feel that sore ever again because i don't want to like that's i couldn't predict that but doing that same workout with the same weights and reps that you done just then probably won't lead to the same amount of soreness next time um i'm gonna presume with sarah this is one of her first bouts of resistance training generally to get that yeah to get that sore it'd either be your first time doing this stuff or your first time doing completely new bits and bobs Um, and that can happen so it's not weird you're not weird for that happening that's pretty standard for everyone's had that day (laughs) just trying to get out of the bed looking like the tin man um but i would yeah but but i would say my my advice would be yeah rest until you feel either very lightly sore or fresh then go for it again and it will get easier over time
0: yeah yeah i agree and i think also um sometimes actually like active recovery which just basically means like don't be a couch potato the day after you've the day after you've exercised active recovery can be really helpful so for a lot of clients that go um and do their first gym session that they've done in a while and then get really sore the day after i just say get out for a walk or if you are you know a member of a leisure center or your gym has a pool if you can go and have a swim and sauna do that sometimes actually getting blood flow around your joints is really um beneficial because it will help with the recovery process and I think sometimes actually just like sitting down all day makes things worse like you literally do look like the tin man if you've been sat in your office desk all day and then you get up and you're like oh my god um so Sarah I think like it will get easier however saying that when programs change and exercises change you might feel the same again at some point like I can't remember what I put in the other day oh I was doing eccentric chin-ups Oh my God, like that three second down, I did eight reps, four rounds. I literally couldn't lift my arms up with my shoulders the other day. (laughs) Um, So just remember like certain exercise will prompt um, a bit more DOMS, but it's normal. And the best thing to do is recover well, make sure you're getting adequate sleep. Like sleep is a massive one protein drink lots of water and just get out for a walk get some fresh air loosen up your joints maybe do a little bit of mobility if you want to and then that might make you feel better I'd say if you're completely broken don't train the next day but if it's just a little bit of like oh do you know what this is a bit sore I could try it try it and you can always leave it so that's always an option as well and I think sometimes you know like if I went to the gym the day after I'd done those chin-ups I know I would not be able to do anything overhead it Mm -hmm. just wouldn't be happening yeah. um so yeah cool okay next question abby if we are doing two of the three workouts in the program each week should we always do one and two days one and two or should we be switching in number three so to very quickly answer this abby i would say always do the same workouts each week because that way you're going to make progress if you're doing a random you know day three one week and day one and then next week you're doing day two and day three like you're not going to make as much progress as you would if you're following the same Um, Workouts each week. So pick the same workouts. If you can only do two workouts a week, do day one and two and keep doing those days until the six weeks is over. Um, I don't think we need to say anything else. Um, Abby again, gym workout has two. Oh, gym workout two has a chin up machine or banded self supported chin ups. After wandering around my gym, I couldn't find the machine and not sure about using bands. I used the lap pull down um instead is this any good or is there something else you can recommend please jake do you want to go
1: the lat pull-down is the natural the natural machine replacement for those for sure um it's basically just a reverse of what you're doing with a chin-up so basically a chin-up your body is moving up and down and your hands are staying pretty still whereas the lat pull down your body's staying still and your hands moving up and down um so that's fine um not every gym will have a chin up machine, so that might be, it might just be that your gym just literally doesn't have one. Like, we own my one, only got one a, a year or two ago. Um, so it's not weird that they don't have it either, it's not a staple. Um, yeah, like so. The, with the self supported one, it's different to the banded, right? So, self supported, you just need a squat rack or a Smith machine, so you could play around with that. The Smith machine is basically the squat rack that is fixed within. Uh, uh, you know a square um whereas a squat rack is like the barbell could be pulled forwards and backwards the smith machine it just goes up and down so you could try that um but realistically the lap pull down is absolutely fine um as long as you're you know imagine you're doing a pull-up so just kind of getting your arms going down this is only useful if she's watching <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> this, is useless if this is useless if you're listening via a podcast everybody like, visualize yeah visualize <laughs> yeah. so You had to get in front above your head and your elbows are being pulled down towards your, your ribs and as lot, you know, you're just looking to kind of get your wrists above your elbows by the time you're at the bottom position and then straighten up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That'd, that'd be the yeah. Recommendation. Agree. Um, and if you can't get on the lap pull down, you can always do like a horizontal pull variation instead. So you could go inverted row. So, for example, if anyone's listening and you're like, I don't really want to go and set up a barbell in the you know, weighted area to do self-supported chin-ups for anyone listening if you don't know what a self-supported chin-up is basically you set a rack up or you set the smith machine up you set the barbell to the height of your shoulders so that when you stand up it's almost like you're at the top of a pull-up or a chin-up then you low you keep your hands on you keep your feet on the floor you lower yourself down completely until you are in a full hang and then you pull yourself up Using mostly your back and your arms, but because your feet are on the floor, you are supported. Which means if you can't do chin ups yet, you can push some weight through your feet. A great way to progress this is taking one foot off the floor as well. So, or you can come up, uh, pull yourself up with both feet on the floor, and then take your feet off and then lower yourself down. So, you're just kind of playing around with your own body weight and how much of that you can lift so a self-supported chin-up is a great way basically to mimic the chin-up because with banded although i do like banded and i definitely think there's a time and a place and i do program it in the problem with banded is it gives too much assistance at the bottom and if you've got like loads of bands or a really thick band it can really like bounce you out the hole and that really isn't building strength as such what do you think on that
1: i agree but they yeah. they they they're useful for learning the
0: skill. Yeah, 100 percent will just be really I, heavy
1: <laughs> like me, and <laughs> it won't bounce you out the hole so much. <laughs>
0: um and I used I used everything. When I was training to do chin-ups, I did every time I went into the gym, I did a banded chin-up. Every time, you know, I came through the front door, I've got a chin-up bar at home, like I do a chin-up. So do whatever you can. Um, but in terms of if you don't have access to like a barbell that you can set up like that, or a Smith machine. You can either do lat pull down, or you could do an inverted row. So you could do a TRX row or a inverted row and a barbell, but that kind of defeats the point of yeah. not having a barbell available. Yeah, so you or a can do row. A,
1: ho- a seated row would be the yeah. machine equivalent, right?
0: Yeah. So if you can't do anything vertical, just go horizontal, which means like pulling the weight towards you instead, or pulling pulling your body weight towards you. Mm. Um, okay, Charlotte. After the resting times, no, sorry, <laughs> are the resting times, <laughs> are the resting times negotiable? As in, if you are trying to do the workout as quick as possible, is it okay to catch your breath and then crack on rather than wait the whole 75 seconds? And another, another question off the back of this is how long should these workouts take on average? No matter how hard I try, I can't get below one hour, which feels like a long time. And Keeley added to this question as well, also curious about rest times. I'm often tight on time, so tend to smash through things as I feel ready. Jake, do you want to go first?
1: The Shred workouts are planned to last roughly... 45 minutes to an hour. 45 to 60 minutes. So I'm intrigued to see, to wonder what's slowing you down so much so that you can't get them under an hour. Like, are you... Having to wait for pieces of kit? Are you wandering around not knowing? Where She's got a gym
0: at home. Oh, okay. Oh, so I've I've got yeah. a feeling it's a case of having equipment at home and having to set that up.
1: Ah, like spinny dumbbells and stuff like that. Ah, okay.
0: Yeah, maybe. Cool. Just a um, presumption.
1: Yeah. Okay. So on that presumption, though, I'm going to also presume she is currently waiting the whole 75 seconds. That's fine. yes. Um so okay are they negotiable yes and no but you have to understand the consequences of your choice i would say so if you reduce your rest time there is if you're pushing yourself hard enough or like challenging yourself enough appropriately there would be little reason, there'd be a little way for you to actually manage to do it again the second time round without adequate rest Um, if you shorten the rest time the chance of you getting another quality set at a heavy enough weight not heavy enough but a heavier weight that you probably could handle is unlikely Um, because 75 seconds is still fairly short as a rest time you know And, and, and to put it into context like the people that train purely for strength they will wait three four five minutes between each set uh, which is, uh, it is kind of boring that that sense. That's a long time to be resting, um but that's so their body can recover and really then push as hard as possible. Now, if you're training from home, obviously you're limited by. I'm presuming you're limited by the amount of weight you have. So if you, you know, say for example you've maxed. Let's let's just go for the example of a split squat. Like maybe you've maxed out all your weights for your split squats at home. If you can't go any heavier and you don't have the time to go any slower then bring your rest time down
0: hmm.
1: um, because then that is in essence also making it harder because you'll be less recovered
0: um yeah yeah, yeah. Agree. i agree um <laughs> no that's fine um one thing i would say charlotte is are you timing your rests so for example some clients will say this to me oh my god the workouts take over an hour and i'm like are you timing your rest or are you sat on instagram and most of the time it's, I'm sat on Instagram scrolling or I'm WhatsApping, or I'm emailing a friend. So your 75 second rest then actually becomes three to four minutes. And don't get me wrong, like I have to like literally tell myself off and be like, stop going on social media when you're working out, you're working out. Um, so do time your rest. And if you're already doing that, then one of the things I would say is in the program, um, there are certain exercises which are called compound exercises, exercises, isolation exercises, and then fillers. So your fillers are things that aren't really that necessary, but are put in there because people like them. So for example, I'm gonna go with day two of the gym program, which I know is, the there's plank in there, right? You've got chin ups and then plank. So I would say, take the planks out. And if you have time at the end, then come back to them because they're not really that important. Like you're better off focusing on compound exercises, which are multi-joint exercises, which means like you're using more body parts rather than like a bicep curl, which is just using... Um, elbow flexion which is just your elbows so i would say if you're really struggling for time just do the multi-joint exercises so your compound exercises sack off the filler exercises so i've put if i've put in a plank in there a dead bug that kind of thing don't bother doing those and you could even sack off the isolation exercises such as like um, cable tricep rope extension dips that kind of thing get rid of those don't bother doing those utilize your time and spend your time doing your compound exercises because one they're gonna they're gonna bring you more bang for your buck you're gonna build more strength build more muscle and ultimately burn more calories doing those exercises so feel free to chop down on what you need to another thing is sometimes i will um I will program what I call a bookend set. So for example, I might put four sets of squats, three sets of press-ups as a superset, And your bookend is the four sets of squats because you're going to go squat, press-up, squat, press-up, squat, press-up, squat, you're done. I would just say drop the the last set of squat and just stick to three sets um, rather than doing the four sets. So you could just skip a set. Um, So that is what I would do. Time your sets, sorry, time your rest, Feel free to drop what you need to. And then um, the final one. What did I just say? Brain's gone. Whatever. Go back. Listen. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And a final note is a form of, of progression that's not really looked at that often is density. So what density means is like how quickly we do something how dense that session is so does your session take you 40 minutes or does it take you 30 minutes the 30 minute session is going to be harder if you're lifting all the same weights right so for a lot of clients they will start a program and be like oh my god that took me an hour and 20 minutes on week one by week six they're doing it in 50 minutes so they've reduced like 20-25 minutes time whatever that is and so that means they've actually progressed in density. So they're doing the same amount of work in less time. So that's actually a form of progress. So right now you're probably on like week two of the program, just look at it at this way. By week six, you will hopefully be doing that workout in an hour and that's progress. Yeah. So that's also another um, form of progress as well. So yeah, hopefully that answers your question. And then Keely, to answer your question, if you're tight on time, like take what i've just said and what jake said um and if you are smashing things through that's absolutely fine but just make sure that you are smashing things through and you are able to return to the next exercise the same exercise that you're doing at the same um what am i trying to say intensity Yeah. yeah yeah so if you've done 10 press ups on your first set smash through it Took 20 seconds rest and then you've done three press ups on your next set Mm. that would mean that i would spend more time on the quality of movement rather than just deteriorating over sets
1: yeah so to, to add to that point like it's basically the decision of going rather than doing three sets of really quick press ups and going 10 5 2 on a presumption for angie here like we would both rather you do two sets of 8 to 10 that were much better and you yeah. sack off the third one if time really is that much of the essence but like don't get warped into this idea that i'm super bit like i don't know your situation at all but like i know what we can all be like as humans we can be like i've got loads to do so i've got to smash through this like if it's a difference between 5 minutes i bet your life you can you can afford to spend 5 minutes in the gym like if it's if it really is a case of like you need to get it done 10 15 20 minutes quicker fine just cut everything by one set and focus on the quality like you, most of us will fare much better for quality over quantity nine times out of ten. And then once you can smash that in, then you can work on the density block and go, right, how much can I squeeze it in, in the same amount of time without sacrificing quality? Yeah,
0: less is more. Yeah, in this case. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, Kim. cool. Any more to add? No, yeah. cool. Okay, Kim, what's more important for fat loss, the strength block? or the body weight block if you only have time for one. So for anyone listening to this, just to make it clear, my home workout program is split into blocks. We've got a strength block where they'll use dumbbells, bands, whatever they've got access to at home, and then a body weight block um, on this specific program, just in case they've got absolutely nothing or they're really short on time and they can't be asked to get the dumbbells out. They can either choose to do both And then the body weight exercises we do less rounds of because usually you're pretty battered. Um, Or you can do either or if you're short on time, for example. So, Kim, I would say, firstly, looking at exercise for fat loss isn't always a great thing. Um, When we look at how we achieve fat loss, exercise actually is very low on the graph on the pie chart, basically. It's only a very small percentage that actually uh, creates fat loss. Fat loss is created from a calorie deficit, uh, you know, total daily energy expenditure. So uh, BMR, the food we digest, which is your thermogenic effect of food, your neat activity and that kind of thing. So that has a much far greater impact on fat loss than exercise does. So firstly, try not to look at exercise for fat loss. Whilst it can be quite motivating to do so, When you move out of fat loss, you might then stop exercising because you're like, well, don't need to don't need to exercise anymore because I've lost fat. Right. Look at exercise as a fitness and strength thing. Okay, so we're improving fitness and we're improving strength. So I would say for you, Kim, whatever you feel like doing on that day, if you've got less time, go for the body weight block. If you've got a bit more time, go for the strength block. Any have you got anything else? Any input?
1: Not loads. If she really wants a black and white answer, then strength block. But yeah, yeah. Realistically, there's too many other factors to to care for. So yeah, no, nothing yeah. to add
0: on that one. Um. Okay, Cassie, is there an ideal heart rate for fat loss when doing an indoor cycle or spin class? You want to start
1: it kind of rolls into that point you've just made right again like trying to differentiate exercise movement etc specifically to be burning fat in that sense um not that it doesn't but like it's just an inefficient way of thinking about things but there is there is you'll see you know if you read and look at these things there's a thing where like you will use fat within your from your body um like as in just within you not necessarily from you um as the primary fuel when you do stuff but that's generally at really low intensities because fat mm-hmm. takes it basically when you know fat takes a bit longer to to break down to supply us with the energy and it requires a fair amount of oxygen that we breathe in so we need to make sure that we're not kind of exhausting ourselves too much in order to do that so it has to be low intensity that's so like walking and things like that will likely be using fat more so to to help us get around the moment we get kind of intense that's where you start to use like the carbohydrate from within your body so like glucose and glycogen will be the things if you read about it you'll see and we have a finite store of that but like that can last typically anywhere from half hour to 60 minutes where you could use carbohydrate as your predominant fuel Um, so then you'd have to be going for a long time in order to then switch it more to fat again type of thing in that sense but yeah the caveat <laughs> god no god go go go
0: i think the thing is cassie you're looking at this and i know it's just a generic question so i'm not saying don't do this um but you're looking at this as like what can i do to optimize fat what's you know in essence, like, what's my fat burning zone? What's the fat burning zone for cardio? And there is a flaw in that because if you want to know what your fat burning zone is, like the best way to burn fat is to actually sit still because the lower your heart rate is, the more access you have to your fat stores and your your body will use your fat as fuel because there's so much oxygen there for it to do its job to actually metabolize it you know into energy whereas if you start to then add exercise onto that go for a walk and that kind of thing actually the percentage of fat burning decreases so if you want to look at things as like a fat burning zone like sit down and do nothing (laughs) but you're burning less calories so one of the things you have to look at is like the fat burning zone typically was um And it is used, it is used, but it's used for athletes. They don't really call it fat burning zone, but they'll call it like their moderate heart rate. And it's actually where they build their cardiovascular endurance because working at lower heart rates actually makes you fitter than working at max heart rates. And there's a time and a space for working at max heart rate versus working at, you know, a moderate heart rate that you can continue to do. So, a moderate heart rate so if you were like looking at this as like right what can I do cardio wise to um, burn fat working at a moderate heart rate in which you can like sustain a conversation and what I don't mean is like going out for a walk and just chatting like yes that is is sustaining a conversation but if you want to add like the cardio element to it is do something like maybe go for a jog or sit on a bike where you're pedaling hard but you can actually still talk and you're not going (gasps) gasping for air um and this is roughly usually this is for the fat burning zone right this is roughly usually 60 to 70 percent of your max heart rate so to work out your max heart rate you
1: subst- 220 subst- take yeah. away your age yeah.
0: yeah so for example 220 minus 32 is 188 beats per minute so i'm <laughs> 32 so that would be 180 uh, 188 beats per minute would be my max heart rate. So 70%, let's do 70% of that would be, one second.
1: 140 something, 150 something.
0: 131.56. So for example, my fat burning zone for cardio would be around 130 beats per minute. Now, if anybody has ever gone out for a run or gone to a swing class and looked at your heart rate, I assure you it will not be that low unless you're some kind of absolute fitness freak, um, an athletic freak. Mostly when I go for a run, I'm like, right, try and keep your heart rate down. And I'll look at my heart rate and it's like 160 beats per minute. Working at 130 beats per minute is hard because you just get excited and you wanna go over that. It's boring as well. Um, and speak to any marathon runner, triathlete, you know. Anyone who has to work at low heart rates will tell you how hard it is because you get carried away. Um, so looking at that, like, one, is that going to take the joy out of you exercising? For example, let's say you're really, really pumped and you're buzzing to do your workout, your, your indoor cycle or spin, right? You get on the bike and you're like, right, let's go. And you're like, oh, I can't because I can't stay in my fat burning zone, which means I've got to slow down and I can't, you know. So it kind of like defeats the point sometimes. And also when you're working at a lower heart rate, whilst you might be burning more fat, you're burning less calories. Whereas if you're you're going at a more vigorous heart rate, you're burning less fat, but more calories. And what do we know that works for fat loss is calorie deficit, right? So you do have to look at things that way, but also the final big picture is stop looking at exercise for fat loss, look at it for fitness and strength because doing this is taking the joy out of your training. And it will defeat the object as well of you like training to get fitter because you'll then start becoming obsessed of like, I can't go over 130 beats per minute. So whilst this fat burning zone does kind of exist, It doesn't mean you should train in that way to optimize fat loss. And I'd probably say for people stepping on stage, that might be appropriate at some point in their training to keep their heart rate really low, you know, to get that very, very last little bit of fat off, you know, that 10%, you know, 5%. But I would probably say that most coaches don't even look at it that way either. No, Jake shaking his head. So (laughs) I, yeah. I just say like, you're not a performance athlete, like, sorry, Cassie. <laughs> um, Cassie, I love you. You're amazing. But you know what I mean? You're not a performance athlete. She's a performance athlete in Ibiza. She bloody loves Ibiza, but not on the bike. <laughs> um, <laughs> she loves her. She loves the music. So just look at things as like, what can I do to enjoy a workout today? Yeah. And hey, if you want to sit and pedal on a bike, sit and pedal on a bike and just go easy you know, if it just makes you feel good. If you want to go hard at it, go hard at it. But just be cautious when you go hard at vigorous exercise, it does lead to a big energy deficit, which for some people can lead to um, like overeating later on. Because I don't know about you, but if you've ever gone out for like a really hard run and then come back and you're like, oh my God, I'm starving, I can't stop eating. Mm -hmm. You did Tough Mud, didn't you do Tough Mud last year?
1: I did, yeah, I did the half marathon Spartan, yeah
0: with no I mean, training no, no training
1: no food in the morning yeah <laughs> oh <my laughs> 20 God. yeah 21 miles that was that was and there was no f- drinks and stuff on route other than water there what? was no there was no Lucas Aid, no bars which we didn't expect because normally when we've done tough mudders we did what 210 we've done 210 miles and there was like nut bars and stuff on So i was like sweet i don't like breakfast i just i can't i feel sick Eating it uh, like exercising after eating breakfast, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, fine, I'll just grab some bits on the way out as we go. No, none. And I'm like, getting 17 miles in, I'm going, Char, not going to make this. I can't (laughs) can't freaking do this. (laughs) Like, I was like, I think there was about a two mile stretch where I was like, it's. uh, excuse my friends I was like this is fucking ridiculous there's no nothing how can I go so far with no food this is a joke what's going on
0: all I want is a jelly bean (laughs) yeah this is just give me a something (laughs) um what was I going to say uh I can't remember oh when I did a half marathon actually I remember like we I did um I've only ever done one half marathon everybody and I would never do one again um no (laughs) um I remember it was the Birmingham half when we got to one part of Birmingham and uh loads of people were out in the street just like handing out cakes and I was like I literally I cannot eat a cake right now I'm fucking trying to run as fast as I can but there were like jelly beans and like those um drinks as well which were handy yeah so that's that's okay
1: does. with a half marathon because you just stay in land the problem with the spawn is that we had to go through three ponds so if anyone had anything in their pockets you'd be ruined so you yeah, can't even true. take anything with you unless you had like a waterproof bag which I didn't i'm not i'm not
0: a, <laughs> and who does that yeah exactly no,
1: well quite a few <laughs> oh
0: really yeah, i suppose if you were like means,
1: yeah
0: i was yeah. gonna say or like if you were like diabetic or something you need in, in your backpack <laughs> yeah just don't do it no um Izzy okay sounds like a stupid question um but where are acceptable places in the gym to hip thrust ha, or glute bridge in the power rack things or is it okay just to do on the floor of a bench or a off a bench question. even it's such a good question I'm so glad Izzy actually put this in her check-in and I was like I'm gonna put this on the um the live Q&A because I Mm -hmm. think it's such an important question because Hit Thrust and Blue Bridge are so popular now Mm -hmm. but if you're new to them and you go into the gym and you go into the weights area which you know stereotypically is going to be more full with men than it is women however my gym's actually getting quite good now there's a lot of women in my weights area but anyway um it can be quite like Intimidating to think, oh my God, and excuse my French, but oh my God, I'm about to thrust my fanny in the air, and <laughs> you know, and I've never done that this exercise before, and everyone's going to be looking at me. And have I got camel toe? And all of these questions will come up. Um, so I think it's a really good question. So you obviously still PT. So where do you get your female clients to hit thrust and bridge
1: We tend to do Smith machine. A lot of the time, just because actually, just as the movement is less to worry about, right? And where our barbells are, it's actually just way easier to set it up in a in there. Um, But if we were to do like a a bodyweight single leg, just in the dumbbell area, we'll just use a bench, smash it out there. Like I suppose when I am there, it's a bit more convenient for them until they've learned the technique and stuff. it's actually the couple of blokes I have doing. This is the funniest thing about it. It's like it's the blokes I have that are way more awkward about it because it's now seen because like so many more women are doing it. It's a bit more like ah, oh, like like the stereotypes go the other way. It's like oh, it's a woman, of course she's doing hip bridges. For example. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like yeah. so, but like,
1: the blokes are like I'm working my ass. Like, <laughs> like this is such a. Well, 50% of blokes in the gym don't do their legs, period. So let alone yeah, the heavy do. <laughs> like, we've yeah, got a bunch of Doritos, true. you know. A lot of the blokes in our gym Doritos. So it's, but like, oh uh, yeah. Smith Machine's always quite nice. The power rack, Joe, you know the power rack, it depends how you set your bench up, right? So if you like having your bench horizontal, um you might need a power rack, depending on how heavy you are, to stop the bench tipping backwards. I I actually like doing my bench vertical on the slight decline. I prefer that. Because yeah, of I the wobble, the wobblability of it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, do them anywhere, rocket. Just like who cares? Like that, but that's yeah. always my view on these things. I don't care. I care about everyone else and they're, what they're doing, but I don't care what they think. Like, I'm here to do this for me. I need to do this exercise and take it off. So work around. Yeah,
0: <laughs> absolutely, exactly. And do you know what? I was going to ask you this question, but isn't it a bit awkward for guys because you've got like junk? In your truck, you know, so like
1: <laughs> you have to find the angles, yeah. you got okay. to find a comfy spot, but like, yeah.
0: Do you know what though? When I see guys hip thrusting in the gym, I'm like, yeah, like I'm like, go for it. Um, because you don't see that many guys, like it, sometimes we all have like um the rugby guys come in the gym and stuff, and you'll see them doing it because you know it, it is a great performance exercise, but mm. um. Yeah. Uh, So Izzy, I would just say, just rock it. Just go in there. If you're really unsure, ask anybody who's working on the gym floor, where's the best place? Because sometimes some gyms are very protective of their floor. Um, For example, if you're glute bridging, you know, hundred kilos. And although like the range of movement in glute bridge isn't going to be the same as if you were doing like a snatch. Um, you know, if you're thrusting up and down in a glute bridge or you're snatching something above your head and then dropping it, like you're probably not going to do that much damage on the floor. But if you're glute bridging, like maybe just ask, am I okay to do it on this floor? Um I would say also with glute bridges, so barbell glute bridges, go on a bit of floor that's not slippy. What I always find if I'm a bit sweaty, um, and i'm on the floor if i'm on the rack i'm on the power rack sometimes that floor is actually um like l- like laminate or like yeah, yeah. yeah or whatever that would and i end up sliding so i actually prefer to be on the dirty ash gym floor <laughs> and i don't mind a bit of grub on my shoulders and my back because actually that like the grit like helps me stick there which sounds disgusting and it's probably not very good for the whole covid stuff but um and sharing germs, but I prefer to be on the floor because then I don't slip. Um, And in terms of hip thrusts, like wherever you can, one thing I would say is if your gym, you know, usually you've got your dumbbells set up and then you've got um, loads of benches and then behind it, you know, wherever you are in your gym, you've usually got like barbells. I would edge, like if you're going to hip thrust, pull the bench a little bit further away from where people are doing dumbbell bench. Um, Because I had this the other day, I was doing dumbbell bench press, the girl next to me was doing barbell for us and she was so close to me that I was a bit like worried that I would drop my dumbbell when I lowered my dumbbells down like onto her so I would say just like move your bench back into a space where there's more room like don't be next to you know your bro lifters who are lifting like 50 kilo dumbbells and throwing them down because they're going to get it's not that they're going to get annoyed with you but they probably will but also like you've got this huge barbell by the dumbbell area like just use a bit of, I don't wanna say common sense because that sounds like patronizing, but use a bit of common sense and just like move a bit further away. Um, Bench-wise as well, try to use a normal bench, but if you're slightly shorter, try to use a lower bench. So I sometimes find, I mean, I'm not short at all, I'm five foot seven, but I actually find the steps easier to use. So like the Reebok workout steps. Um, And sometimes they're easier to like maneuver around the gym as well. Um, Or you can use like a box, you know, like some gyms have boxes. Um but sometimes they're like really squidgy. Really and they're just, yeah. Well, we've got like different heights. Oh, we've got yeah, like a 24 yeah, inch, yeah. Da, da, da. Um, but they're really squidgy. Like if I do high box step ups on them, my like foot's like <laughs> feels like it's in jelly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like stability, stability training. So um just go for it and just and if you're really unsure, just ask. But also one thing I would say is no one's looking at your crotch either. Like, well, let's if they are they're the problem
1: not (laughs) you
0: yeah yeah exactly (laughs) exactly um so i hope that answers your question (laughs) um okay final training question natasha one to two of my weekly workouts are at 8 p.m ish it's just the only time i can fit in i have eaten my main meal before one to one and a half hours before is there any disadvantage to doing this jake's shaking his head do you go for it
1: yeah no if that's if that's what it is, it is what it is, right? Yeah. It's like it's just you can't do anything about it. But it's also fine. Like that's not that's not me saying it could be done better. If that's it's fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know Natasha, you've got a, a you know, a small young one, and if that's the only time that you can get it in, fair play f- fair play to you for doing it at eight o'clock. Eight o'clock's a you know a hard time to do it, so well done. Um, and if you feel okay to train on a full stomach then cool. Um, Some clients like Brad, for example, goes to jujitsu and he's out from like seven till nine. He gets back and has his dinner at, you know, at nine o'clock and he wouldn't be able to eat his, his meal before that. But that's just because he doesn't have enough time to like digest it and stuff. One thing you could do if you don't like training on a full stomach at that time. I mean, it sounds like to me it's working out for you, but you could have a smaller, you know, snack and then your main meal after, after um, you've trained um so yeah and also another thing and I think I mentioned this on another live once but I can't remember what it was to watch what music you're playing in your last few sets because if you're playing like the prodigy or really high tempo music to get you like rah like razzed up to a train and then you're like leaving the gym at like nine o'clock and I know Tash you train at home but like remember sometimes like you've got to go from like training energy to like chill and like that can be really difficult and I know when I used to coach late at night I'd be driving home wired because the music in the gym was like really energetic and I'd be like I can't get to sleep so like i I used to drive
1: things (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah i used to drive home with either no music on or put like radio 2 or classic fm on just to like try and chill my central nervous system but yeah just go like easy on the the thrash metal maybe i (laughs) might not listen to thrash metal or you know hard house but um go easy on the music so that you feel that you can actually calm down at the end of your session as well um cool so that's all the training session training sessions training uh, questions wrapped up so we're going to move on to nutrition now okay um so ruth i am consuming between 1 and 1700 calories a day and losing weight steadily however i'm thinking about the future and have two questions one how can i cope with plateauing and when it finally ha- uh, when it finally happens i really find it discouraging and number two how low will i have to go on calories to reach my target weight and sustain it Um, and the extra comments that i asked her a few questions she said i would like to lose 28 pounds in total and see how i feel she's currently on 1700 calories do you want to go first okay sure
1: you've recognized plateauing as a thing so that's fine That's like a the first stage of acceptance and that's like plateauing to put it in a nicer term is termed as maintenance like plateauing will only give you negative connotations right purely because plateau you you plateau on things you want to go in a certain direction that's the way i've started looking at these kind of things and uh Like, it's, it's only discouraging because there's a sense in the world at the moment that not going ni- either up or down is a bad thing. But, like, if you were, like, to take it to stupid examples, like, if you were to keep going down, there would be literally nothing left of you and it's physically impossible without dying. So there needs to come a point in time when maintenance happens and that's to say for people trying to gain weight as well, right? If you just keep trying to gain weight, like you will either, you will stop putting on as much muscle and you'll just get fat. And people that want to gain muscle don't want to do that. So there will come a time for them that they also need to maintain a body weight, uh, to, to acclimatize. So learning to accept that it's going to happen right now, whilst you're still trying to lose weight is a good idea. Um, and, and this is where like, obviously shred six weeks long, like, We've said to shredders in the past, like it's, it's a good idea. And I think Maddie's a good example of this, right? So where like, once you've lost some weight, maybe not necessarily your goal weight, it's good to run a maintenance week, maybe even two weeks, because the habits that will get you to your weight loss right now are also the habits you just need to dial up a little bit more or less to maintain you where you're at, i.e. eating like, you know, your five veg, fruit and veg per day that's still going to stay even when you're at your lower weight that needs to your steps your training sessions your relaxation pre-bed your good sleep and all that kind of stuff that all stays but your calorie numbers are basically the thing that differ so rather than finding it discouraging we just need to find a way for you to just be like well i have to stay the same at some point so like start practicing it it is uncomfortable and it's not normal in the sense of we've spent we all spend well I don't know I'm a lot of us in here will have spent many years maybe decades being like I need to be smaller lighter lose weight and either achieved it or not but then bounce back like we've probably all had that experience myself included massively but if you can go actually there's so much to be gained from staying the same on the scale like you can get so much stronger you can eat more which for me is a big motivation to stay similar it's because the calories can be like in the 2000s type of thing rather than in the 1000s um and before we go on to the second bit like into how low your calories could go by learning to maintain you can also then play around with slowly increasing the calories and remaining at a very similar weight, which is important. We basically would call it a diet break, for example. So I know the later, but you say yeah, you want to lose 28 pounds, for example. So, say, for example, you lose another five pounds and that puts you six pounds lighter than when you started. If you took a little diet break for a week or two, practice your maintenance habits and practice getting over the idea of staying the same when you then reduce your calories again to roughly the same, potentially a little bit lower, it almost don't take this and run with it, but like resets you from a fat loss point of view. Um, And when I say don't run with that, don't go and say, look, if I take a week off, it resets me. It's
0: more from a psychological perspective, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, So, yeah.
0: And some some physiological but there's
1: there there's some yeah absolutely absolutely um yeah anything to add on that bit before yeah
0: um i agree and i think the reframe is really nice like don't think that a plateau i think i really like what you say like don't think a plateau is a bad thing it's a really good thing and when clients get to maintenance when clients plateau with me i'm like this is brilliant This is amazing because look how much you've lost and look how much you can now maintain that loss because what a lot of people don't do is practice that maintenance of loss. So let's say, for example, you'd like to lose 28 pounds. By the end of these six weeks, you lose 12 pounds. Now you need to practice, if if you get stuck at 12 pounds, spend some time practicing maintaining 12 pounds loss because it's gonna be easier to do rather than going, oh, I've plateaued, I can't be bothered, this is too hard, revert back to 20, 28 pounds, Um, you know, or well, the 12 pounds that you lost, you've regained it. So practicing at maintenance is really, really key. Now, one of the things I would say is I don't, I think we've said this before in another live, but, I don't have many clients that get that actually plateau and I don't know many people that will plateau. And the reason for that is because of adherence, because when you have dieted for a long period of time, your adherence will suffer. So what that means is the things that you did on week one, you probably aren't doing on week 12 24 that kind of thing because you're tired you're hungry you're bored you're fed up of dieting so you probably are doing things like picking you probably aren't going out and doing as many steps as you could because you can't be bothered or you're too tired you might not be training as hard or you might be um not um calculating your calories right so for example like you're not what's the word for it uh, you're not entering your calories in right, basically. So you're just kind of guesstimating and you're overestimating your calories or underestimating your calories, whatever. Um, the worst of one, brain's not working. Um, so when you have dieted for that longer time, these things really, really get tough. And that's where I will say to clients, listen, we've got to, you know, if we have plateaued, let me see, what you're doing like let's have a look at the numbers and let's see if this adds up because right now you're on 1600 calories that's still a deficit for you you know you've still got that those 12 pounds to go it's still a deficit but what do you think is going on at home in your life that could be causing this maintenance and if you're like I'm ticking every single box we might say okay what I want you to do is and you know I'll only do this with very few clients and this is really if they have got to maintenance and they really have got stuck is can you take a photo of everything you eat today and send me over what you've put in my fitness pal and then that way I can look and go okay she hasn't tracked her you know this is how like meticulous it can get if you do get to a point where you're plateauing, like have you tracked your tomato ketchup have you tracked your butter have you tracked your oil that you've cooked your chicken breast in all of those calories count and if you're not tracking those things then you will be over your calorie deficit um so that's not to sound discouraging as you've put but you will to lose 28 pounds on 16 1700 calories you'll still be in a deficit so don't think that you're gonna make get to maintenance anytime soon if that makes sense like If you keep going at exactly, no, that's the wrong way around. If you keep going how you are and being absolutely accurate, you might get to that 28 pounds pretty quickly, that loss, but it will slow down towards the end. Um, that always happens because you are a lighter weight. So you're burning less energy. You know, your BMR as such, your total daily energy expenditure goes down as you get lighter. So the lighter you are, you actually burn less calories as a person, right? So those things can happen and those things can contribute to this um, sort of plateauing or this maintenance. But actually for 16, like 1600 calories is still quite low for a lot of people. So I would say, Ruth, keep going with it. And if you get to the point where you feel like you've plateaued, Take a week or two two off your deficit because it's probably you're more mentally drained and slightly physically drained. You're tired. You know, maybe you just really want a day where you eat 2000 calories or whatever. Take that week off or two weeks off, take yourself up to maintenance, work out what your maintenance calories are and then go back into it because I assure you you'll keep going. If you then get to a point where you maintain your weight, I would say for six weeks, six weeks, then it's time to drop. And this is what I had to do when um, I first ever tracked six years ago, or whatever. And I lost 20 pounds. I remember getting to a point where I was, I don't know, I was about 135 pounds or something. And I'd been stuck there for six weeks. And I said to my coach, we've got a drop, haven't we? And I was already on 1600 calories and I had to go down to 15. And I was like, I was mortified. I was like, this is hard already. I don't want to decrease. And that sometimes for a lot of people, and I did a post on this the other day, those final three to four pounds just aren't worth it because you'd rather enjoy your life. You know, you'd rather have that extra hundred calories a day versus dropping it back down. So in terms of like how will you, low will you have to go, Ruth? I would say keep going until you plateau for six weeks. If you then plateau for six weeks, reduce by 50 calories 100 calories but hopefully you won't have to do that and you will get to your 28 pound target or your 24 or 25 pound target and be happy there mm. does that make sense yeah have i said
1: my, anything my, in the wrong my, way around no 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 but i'd to to make crystal clear so like in okay, case so they run with it it's like when angie says take a week or two off it is the mistake okay. that most people make is that when they yeah. go, ah, sweet, I'm off. I can eat what the fuck I want. Like, yeah, no. It does not work like that. Like, so again, like not to keep referring to me. I don't want to like all eyes on Maddie because she's done it, but like Maddie has been <laughs> through the journey with Angie for however long now. Right. So She like, was at Mad-
0: maintenance for 12 weeks after that first shred.
1: Yeah. And like, so she's on a bit of a build or build maintenance now. Right. Her calories are quite yeah. high. or what, what some of us might see is quite high like I said this to Maddie yesterday on a comment on her post, like her food choices do not differ in the yeah, sense of she's still banging out of veg. Uh, she's vegan anyway. Right. So, yeah. Like, so, so, but she's getting her protein in she's getting all the good stuff that she has lost weight on. So Mad's, Mad's lost a fair bit in the last shred as well. Right. And that was the first one yeah. I fully worked in and saw it. But her food choices are basically the same. It's just bigger portions or or an extra snack somewhere, you know, depending on her day. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a case of right. I'm going to forget all the good stuff that got me here. I'm going to go back to doing what I used to do. That's that's where most people go wrong. And people go, oh well, dieting doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It's because they 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 bin off all of their decent habits that got them there in the first place um, and revert yeah. back. So like I say, this and this would be why we'll always argue that like, sometimes the slow approach, so like 28 pounds is a sizable goal to have, not not achievable. It's just, you know, you need to give yourself enough time purely for the maintenance thereafter side of things, not the actual weight loss. The actual weight loss is fine. That That's the, the easy part in, in the grand scheme of things is actually can, what can you maintain and enjoy maintaining thereafter. Yeah. That's my last point. I know it's a little bit long. Yeah.
0: And but, I yeah. think just to recap, Ruth, if you plateau... If you've plateaued for two three weeks keep going mm. if you've plateaued for four five weeks keep going get to that sixth week and if you have plateaued then it's time to do something about it yeah. but remind yourself of that because it is normal and it's very normal for people to lose weight at different rates. Some people lose it three four five pounds in the first three weeks and then they won't lose anything for the next three weeks and then they'll lose again whereas mm. some clients will lose a pound a week, a pound a week, a pound a week. So everybody's rate of loss is going to be very different so give yourself six weeks to, to prove to yourself that you've truly plateaued and if you're finding it mentally too hard to stick to those calories, then take a little bit of a break, track, and then re-enter a dieting phase with the same calories. Keep going get to your six weeks i say six weeks because most women have a menstrual cycle as well so sometimes that can cause you to go over your calories slightly or for some women that can also lead to um, reduced movement you know some people get very heavy hard periods where they don't want to exercise as much so i'd say give yourself six weeks because then we can take that out of the equation which kind of gives us like four or five weeks and then see how you get on um and always you know Ruth if you carry on after this in Peach Club or if you go alone feel free to drop us a message and say I'm really struggling um but honestly I think you'll be absolutely fine and don't find try not to look at plateauing as a discouraging thing it's a really bloody good thing that you've actually maintained that loss um okay Abby last week you talked about banking calories for additional calories last week you talked about banking calories for additional calories at the weekend or events such as eating out. What is your advice around doing an extra workout to help this? Um, I'll start. I, I look at this in two ways. One, for somebody who doesn't have any issues with food, i.e. does not have any disordered eating background habits, um, such as binging or going out to burn off food, um, You know, going for a run to burn off food, going for a hike to burn off food, going for a workout to burn off food. Um, as long as you don't do that already I don't see the harm in it to be honest like if you go out if I've gone out for a big massive meal and the next day I'm like oh my god I feel so full I feel a bit sick I'm gonna go out for a walk or I've I've, I've got loads of you know actually I ate that meal I'm I'm loaded with energy I feel like I could really push a good strength session go and do a workout fill your boots but that's kind of my view on it like if you know it's because it's a punishment thing don't do it if you know it's because actually you just ate a bit too much or you really enjoyed yourself and you got loads of energy and you just think oh like i'm buzzing today i could go do something with this energy then go for it thoughts yeah. same same cool um and also abby just like check in with yourself so like when you're doing that workout if you're like oh i've got to do like two extra reps because i ate that chocolate bar or you know i had that muffin like that's showing signs that you're probably punishing yourself so like check in with yourself when you're doing a workout because if you're not not sure where you sit like go through with it and then see what you're saying to yourself and if you're finding that you're like no i need to do five minutes more i need to push harder it might be more punishment behavior and we want to move away from that Um, Nikki I've always heard that being 500 calories below maintenance calories is the optimal place to be whilst in a deficit apart from the slower weight loss over time is it okay to eat more calories whilst in a deficit for example 300 below rather than 500 Jake do you want to start yeah um yeah it's fine
1: like realistically the word deficit means less than what's needed right well um or you're not quite achieving what you need to maintain something so you know the more calories below in theory the quicker the body fat comes off but it comes with consequences potentially more hunger um probably won't sustain it for as long but if for you 300 below is a you know slightly slower but more steady achievable number to hit over a longer period of time fine there could be there 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 can be um quite profound differences between 300 and 400 for example like for some of you it could be like 400 could tip you so far that your hunger goes insane whereas if you did 300 you'd be like this is sweet and it sounds like not a lot but it's mad you can also go the, the other way like there's also a potential difference between 400 and a thousand some of you might find a thousand calorie deficit like for example for me i prefer being being a heavy man as well Who can afford more calories than others, like than most of you guys, to be fair? Like, I could diet on 1500, which is about a thousand calorie deficit for me and be okay. But I can do that for short periods of time, three, four weeks. Then I get really, really hungry. So then I have to stop. But like, 500 for me is actually a pain in the backside. I don't like it. I would rather be one to three, 400 or very far down the other end because of that yeah there is some there is some science to suggest that for some people there is a a really high number that you won't get hungry on but either side you do that's fine you but that's that's very much self-experience and and deciding that decision
0: yeah yeah i agree i think it's a like a personal preference thing as well i think if you if you've never done this before like i
1: if if you if you've never done it before, I think like right, see where, see how you react to five hundred. Like basically, basically, the the, the five hundred number comes from um, there's seven days seven. in a week. Uh, one pound of fat contains three thousand five hundred calories ish, there or thereabouts then that got extrapolated to being well all i need to do is burn 3500 calories and i will burn one pound of fat unfortunately for us that's not really how it works it's something near that number but like someone somewhere 10 15 20 years ago made that made that theory up and i think it's been disproved there onwards but it's still around um but realistically we have to fall back onto the principles right what can you maintain for a long period of, like what can you adhere to what are you happy doing mentally um And is it leading to weight loss? Yes or no? If it is, if you're ticking all those boxes, then like whether it's 300, 200, 500, 700, 000, who cares? Like it, it's working. Mm. Um, and then it goes back to Ruth's point of like, can we then maintain our habits thereafter when we have increased calories? Yes or no? Like if you're building bad habits to do these to hit specific numbers, then you need to rethink your strategy. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, yeah. I agree. So yes, Nikki, crack on, keep going at three hundred below. And I think Nikki, because you've done this quite a few times now, you know, if you're finding out what's working for you and what isn't, like if five hundred below is causing you to like be really hungry, not have much energy, and that kind of thing, then take it to three hundred. That's absolutely fine. Like it's it's gonna better your um, results and how you feel. Uh, being at a a place where you feel, um, you know, that you can hold your ground and you're you're not kind of getting to the end of every day, like staring into the fridge and crying. Um, (laughs) Okay, final question. Natasha, full fat Greek yogurt versus 0% fat. Um, Why would you choose full fat fat over 0%? I switched to a full fat a while ago, but during tracking, notice how high in saturated fat it is so I picked up zero percent today and one of the things I asked uh, Natasha before we um answered this question was was she um told by a professional that she'd had you know she would have to watch her cholesterol and she said no loads of laughing faces so no she's not having to watch her cholesterol so um I actually made a few notes on this just because I wanted to like compare so and give you a bit of data yeah
1: give me so some first of all
0: <laughs> first of all if i just explain to anyone listening and tash and uh, tash you probably know this anyway but there's like two to three types of main fat you've got saturated trans and sun- unsaturated i say two to three because trans fats is kind of like classed as a saturated fat as well but we'll say two to three so your saturated and trans fats are what we call like bad fats as such, and your unsaturated fats are your good fats, which are also categorized into two other um, categories, which is your polyunsaturated and monounsaturated, which is your omega three and six, which like I said, is your healthy fats. Your saturated fats are dietary fats. So fatty cuts of meat, butter, um, ice cream comes under that as well, but it's like your trans fat, sausages, um, that kind of thing. Um, With your trans fats, they're more sort of like your processed foods, your fast foods, that kind of thing. So the recommended daily limits or allowance of saturated fats for a woman is 20 grams per day. And I think for a man, it's around 30 grams. So I decided to go and look at a comparison. So I went on to Tesco and compared because I could not I could not find um, the total Greek full fat yogurt i couldn't find their nutritional information i could find it on my fitness pal but i was getting like different errors Mm. like completely out so i was like right let's use tesco so i went onto tesco and i've used their full fat brand and then compared it to the total greek fat their um five percent and their zero percent right so if we take 100 grams of full fat greek yogurt we get 7.2 grams of saturated fat if we take 100 grams of five percent Greek yogurt, you get 3.6 grams of saturated fat, and then 100 grams of zero percent Greek yogurt, you get zero grams of saturated fat.
1: How many? So, sorry, how many percent is there full fat? I didn't know there was more than a five percent. That's news to me.
0: Interesting. Yeah, there's completely full fat. So there's there's actually zero percent, two percent, five percent. I think you can get ten percent, and you can get full fat. Oh, cool. Um, So obviously, you've got 0%, which is zero grams of saturated fat, and then full fat, which is 7.2 grams of saturated fat per 100 grams. So when we look at that, we go, okay, well, full fat yogurt isn't healthy. Let's carry on. So for 100 grams of each of these, you've got full fat is 132 calories and 3.3 grams of sugar. For 5% Greek yogurt, you've got 93 calories and three grams of sugar. And then uh, for the 0% fat, you've got 54 calories and three grams of sugar. So for a lot of people, they always say, oh, there's way more sugar in the low fat variations. Um, But there actually isn't. But I don't know whether the low fat variations are more processed sugar. I don't know. I haven't looked into that. But anyway, so. For somebody dieting, you might look at that and go, well, for 100 grams of full fat yogurt, I've got 7.2 grams of saturated fat and 132 calories. Why would I choose that? So let's just look at the nutritional benefits of going full fat. You've got more potassium, more vitamin B12, B5, calcium, and probiotics. And studies actually show that dietary fats and fats especially taken from dairy can help reduce risk of type two diabetes and blood pressure. Okay, so remember your minerals and nutrients are really important. Now, I actually found an image online that compared, where is it? Compared the different percentages of Greek yogurt and then 0% Greek yogurt of your vitamins and minerals. So your vitamin A, calcium and potassium is actually very much the same, but your vitamin B12, B5 and B two is um, much higher in the Greek yogurt. Um, so you've got vitamin B12 is 42%, whereas in the 0% fat is 22%. Vitamin B5 was 19% versus 0% fat is 13%. And then vitamin B12 was, no, the first one, sorry, was B2. Vitamin B12 is 43% versus 26%. So you've got way more B vitamins in your full fat Greek yogurt than you have in your 0%. Now, we were talking about vitamin B12 yesterday and mm. vitamin Bs. Vitamin B, B12 plays an essential role in red blood cell formulation, cell, metab- cell metabolism, <laughs> God, I can't speak today, uh, <laughs> and nerve function. So basically, if you are somebody who suffers with like headaches, fatigue, uh, feeling absolutely exhausted, which is fatigue, low mood, depression, sometimes these are signs of vitamin B12 deficiency. And a lot of women will struggle with vitamin B12 levels because of their menstrual cycle, right? Because it affects our red blood count um, and our formulation. So when you look at the nutritional value of full fat Greek yogurt, you're getting more vitamin Bs basically, and it will be a higher um, quality of probiotics. Whereas when you've got that 0%, these things are like strained out of them. So when you look at this, like you're looking at, higher like higher saturated fat which is more nutritional dense and higher calories or no nutritional like density or very little I should say because there is some calcium was still the same and obviously less calories so it does make sense on a diet to be like oh I'll have zero percent because it's lower calorie and you know and it's giving me the same amount of um where well, it's like the same amount of sugar. I didn't look at the protein levels, probably should have done that. But one thing I'm gonna say is like saturated fat is gonna fill you up more, not trans fat, because remember trans fat is our junk food, whereas saturated fat is gonna fill us up more and have more nutrients. So if you eat like um, a, a big steak, right? It's gonna have saturated fat in there versus you eat a chicken nugget, like that's processed. Like the steak is gonna, and you ate the same quantity. The steak is gonna be more filling, than the chicken nugget because it's processed, right? It's trans fat, so saturated fat is going to fill you up more. Whereas a zero percent that has no saturated fat is not going to fill you up as much, but you can have double the amount. So, you know, for 200 grams of um, 0% yogurt, you can only have 100 grams of full fat yogurt because your 0% was 54 calories per gram. So double that. And then your full fat was 132 calories per 100 grams. So it's kind of like two bowls for one, right? So Mm. I would say the better option is to go for 5% um, because it is out there. There's five and there's 10% Greek yogurt. You're going to get slightly more nutritional value, a little bit more saturated fat. There was 3.6 grams um versus 0 and 0%. Okay. so i would say tash if you're going to be really on it with your saturated fats go for the zero uh, sorry go for the 5% rather than 0%. and one of the things that i would say is like remember <sighs> You're, I would be more worried about like trans fats. I know Tash actually, literally, uh, she went vegan like a few months ago and she's actually started to introduce meat, meat back in now a little bit. She, you know, she's going flexitarian or, wh- or whatever it's called. So, I would say looking at your diet and I've seen you know what you've eat on Facebook, you don't eat unhealthily, you're not mm-hmm. eating loads of processed foods. So, if you're having saturated fat from greek yogurt that's got lots of b vitamins in probiotics calcium like i wouldn't say that's a bad thing um so yeah any any other thoughts on that
1: no, no? just protein's not too indifferent to be fair like between five oh, you and, at that yeah between five and zero like five percent has nine grams of protein per hundred grams and zero percent has 10 okay like you're playing with minutiae
0: yeah and then what about full fat do you know what full fat has i don't have that on there (laughs) don't worry um the only other thing i would say is from me dieting for many many years on in a calorie deficit i always stuck to zero percent and it never filled me up and that is just because i never it doesn't give you that satiation factor that like saturated fat does and sometimes actually eating bowls and bowls of zero percent yogurt just to feel full you might be better off eating fattier yogurt to feel full and it can be very common for women to take their fats very low in a calorie deficit just for the sake of calories like i used to do this i used to eat mostly carbs really low fat high protein and i got to a point where i just didn't feel full and it just was because i wasn't getting enough like fats into my diet um Mm. so yeah
1: i can't find it but yeah and you prefer the taste right
0: yeah i actually don't don't you
1: no, but I'm also not a massive dairy fan. So, like, for me, it tastes too creamy, cheesy. I know it's not cheesy, but there's just, it's my head. I'm like, oh. Yeah,
0: I know. What you mean. Yeah, I know
1: what
0: you mean. I, like, obviously, I'm half Greek, so I have to love Greek yogurt. It's just a thing. Um, I like all of them, and I buy full fat and 0%. I buy both because some days I like a bit of 0%, some days I like full fat. Um, I do sometimes buy 5 or 10% when I can get it but Lidl do not do a five or ten percent so I can't buy that no. um so Lidl if you're listening <laughs> please Audi <laughs> Audi have got one but Lidl haven't Lidl haven't caught up anyway everyone that has come to the end of our questions today I hope you have found that helpful um well done for getting to the end of week two and if you do have any other questions don't Hesitate to comment below on this uh, live, and we can um, of course support you. But massive, well done, and yeah, love you all, and have a great, get your great day. Get check-ins in. Yes, get your check-ins in. By the way, there's been about six people that have checked in so far early. I like you to type of people. Please check in early. Please do not leave it to the last minute on Monday. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, the class. don't don't yeah. do that. don't do that. Be a doer be a go-getter. Check in. Um, Anyway, I'm going to go. Thank you so much, Jake, and have a great day.
1: Yes, have a good weekend.
0: Bye.